Hello, this is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. Just getting out for a walk. Merry Christmas! And uh, it's that time of the year. My Christmas miracle, getting out for a walk. <laughs> It's amazing. How is it happening? Let's see. Let's see. Oh, I saw that um, another writer on Twitter, um, Johannes Steger, he was, uh, he posted this 1970. Um, uh, America, it's it's sort of like a beauty pageant, but it was for for vampires, and it had the actor who played Barnabas Collins, uh, and Barnabas Collins is from this TV show called Dark Shadows. That it had a it had a run. It went on for it went on for a number of years uh, from black and white. I think it ended in color, and. That actor, though, he is par excellence. He, he just... I don't know if he ever played Dracula, but to me, he, you know, he, um, he epitomizes you know, the, the look and everything. And... Uh, ah, I'm trying to remember his name. But anyways, I remembered Barnabas Collins. Uh, Dark Shadows was... A remade, there was a kind of adaptation into a movie that was done by uh, Johnny Depp and Burton and 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 others. Uh, Bonham Carter was in there, and others. Uh, and, and there's another example of adaptation where. It's not the same thing that it was, uh, perhaps in the process of making it. Um, producers got involved and said, no, we've got to make it camp and funny. But then Tim Burton's style and flavor is, is very, much, very much there. However, he's done things like, um, what is it, the... The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, um, the musical, again with um, Johnny Depp. So, so there, he he is able to do things that are, you know, heavy, heavy tragic, not comic, and uh, it's just it it felt odd as somebody who who knew knows the uh, old TV show. And I know super fans. <laughs> I know people who, who you know, dearly, dearly love that old show. And it's got some great stuff in there. So from there, topic-wise, I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, you know, why not talk about um, differences in interpretations of, of vampires, talk about... 
say say almost like an evolution of a genre, you know, a sub a subgenre of the uh, supernatural, supernatural, paranormal, and and different different versions. Most recently, for myself, I've been watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In total, I have say bits and pieces. And why? Because uh, I was I was busy during the '90s. I was on something like a Grail quest. And I I, I would pick up on things though, like say. The, uh, uh, I think it was called Bram Stoker, Stoker's uh, Dracula, and that had uh, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, and uh, this this lush color, like the the colors are very. I guess it's the contrast is that just turns up the the colors, and it's very lush and vibrant. And it's 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 going back to the Victorian. It's almost garish, but it has uh, some great moments with uh, Gary Oldman as Dracula. And do- doing things like showing him. stepping out of uh, what we think of as say oh Dracula looks this way and instead we get a long haired Dracula a grunge Dracula maybe but we get you know we get long hair we get mustache uh, I think it was like mustache goatee we get an older version of Dracula with this uh long white hair. Dracula is an old man. And that, that rings true from when I, I I first read Dracula as a teen. You know, it was one of those recommendations. I got it for I got it for a birthday or Christmas present and I suspect that it was sort of on somebody's shelf kind of a last minute um, oh, you know, I should give Moss a Christmas present, so there you go. Just, you know, doing an... Is it called an encryption? <laughs> Inscription on, on the book cover. And so that was how I first got uh, this. And two, it's an, it's an, it's an odd book. Like uh, the beginning of Frankenstein, because the beginning of or not, and you know the the book uh, Dracula is its journal entries, its letters, uh, its. I, I think I I recall that there was like a newspaper article. So it's it seems like say a, a bunch of um, documents that have been collected together and organized into this narrative, and and so it's interesting to get these these different different voices uh, I suspect that not not too much attention has been paid to 
the, the voice of the characters, like, say, differentiating them. But that was my first... And, and two, it wasn't my first, because you, you can't avoid, uh, say, especially Dracula. Uh, you know, if you watch any television at all, if you are, you know, at all in conversation with people, you know, you'll see images pop up. Uh, for, uh, for one Halloween... I got dressed up as Dracula, and I had this big tear, or I guess it would be, you know, spit of blob, red blob coming out of my side of my mouth. You know, and I, I was just a kid. And so, so there was, uh, I, I had this, I had this early on um, exposure. I think we all do. And, and the bizarreness of it, because it's a bit like Santa Claus, right? Here's this thing, doesn't exist, but we preoccupy, you know, ourselves. We spend time, um, we spend time, you know, listening to stories. Uh, why? Because we're, you know, that's the human, part of the human condition that... You know, we, we look into stories for answers and in conversation with other people. Uh, I, I got a chance to talk with an uh, elderly woman. Uh, she's in her 90s, and I see her every once in a while, and it's, it's always a delight. But she... She tells... She tells... The, the same stories almost like not every time I see her there's some variety but I don't mind and they're not these like rambling stories they're these um, almost like sound bites these these sort of clips and she she has she admitted to me that she doesn't remember names she remembers faces but it's it's the names that she um, forgets and then I think the stories that she, she tells, they, they have to do with uh, who she is, say, self-image. And so she, you know, she's, she's letting us know who she is, but I think she's also letting herself know, right, that this is, it's her, I, I don't want to say conditioning, but I, I want to make it more that it's a kind of a, you know, almost like a self-promotion. Uh, it's got an element of free will involved. You know, that you know, sort of choosing, you know, I, I relate to this. This is my identi identity and ethnicity. and um, Because the stories relate to her traditions and her sense of self. And I, do I want to say that capital S? I, th I think it's more of a small s, you know, more just personal identity, not some kind of transcendent experience of oneness. Okay, so, on that note, vampires have this tradition. Every culture has traditions like this. Uh, 
in Vancouver where I live, the, the Salish, um, specifically uh, the, the, uh, the language is Halkomalum. I'm trying to think, you know, do I call them Halkomalum? But anyways, the, the Vancouver First Nations people have uh, their own folk tales. They have the, the basket ogre who lives in the forest and gobbles up children, you know, and is that's that's obvious, right? You know, just stay out of the forest. And then there's there's the two-headed snake that lives in the river, this giant two-headed snake, this serpent, river serpent, right? And you know, it's <laughs> the lesson there, children, is don't go in the river. Uh, why? Because actually in the Fraser River in Vancouver, it has an undertow, right? So you can't just go swimming. You'll, you, you actually get pulled under. Then there are evil spirits. There's evil malevolent spirits that will uh, inhabit people. Ghosts who come back and feed on people. You know, whether it's sort of, you know, preoccupation, like you spend all your time in communion with them, and they're kind of sucking the life out of you. Or where there actually is this kind of cannibalism that's happening. And that, those kind of stories are universal. They're all over the world. You know, the, the Greeks have that notion you know, when you eat, when you, I was going to say, when you eat spirits, but when you meet spirits that, that they, that they want some, um, they want an offering, they want, uh, blood, they want, they want some kind of, something of life, and, you know, that that is very attractive to them. Really, uh, really disturbing sort of stuff. Just remembering the story of Orpheus going down into the underworld uh, to bring back his, I think it was his bride. You know, and uh, I, I might be sort of mixing it with some other stories, but that there's this um, someone is meeting their, I think it's like ancestors, and. So they're having this kind of encounter you know, with these ghosts. And in order to communicate with them, that they say they want something in return. And I, I believe that there's some sort of offering, like some kind of animal's blood is given to them. Very... Uh, there's something sort of primeval, primordial to it. Uh, blood is powerful stuff symbolically that blood has this um, it's, it's loaded you know the cultural symbolism and, and why well you know you can just you know you get a you get a cut on your on your skin and this stuff comes out this red stuff uh it's part of uh, childbirth. It's uh, so you know. There's this 
there's this idea of life, new life, but also that, say, um, you lose too much of this, you can die. So there's also death involved uh, in that symbolism. So it makes sense that, you know, entities, uh, expressions of no longer being alive would desire this substance. And so that's, that's one reason for vampires, is that they are, they are kind of memorials. They are the you know, expressions of vivacious people, um, important people in our lives that don't go away. In, in one sense, they are zombies, in the, in the more sort of classic sense, that there's, they're connected to the supernatural. I was just thinking about The Walking Dead, that there is this, there is this sense of being haunted, that say people don't necessarily want to kill their zombie relatives or loved ones. You know, they might chain them up or, you know, lock them up. But that the relationship is, is just too strong. You know, they, they're unwilling to, to let this person go. The memory of the person. And so this morbidity, this preoccupation with death, uh, it sort of it preys upon people. And the vampires are expressions of that. Traditionally, they're not, they're not kind things, right? These are malevolent creatures. And where they're coming from, our specific vampire in question, Dracula, you know, that's Carpathian Mountains... Transylvania, we're talking, you know, deep, deep in Europe, and I, I always like, I always like it when shows take us there, right, that they take us off the beaten path, we're outside the city, that there's this sort of village uh, that I, I just noticed somebody's somebody else is doing the walk. They're looping these uh, this particular street I'm on. I feel obligated to give them the you know ah you too. So Dracula, Dracula. So Dracula. Yeah, Dracula is coming out of this more. Um, rural tradition. Um, this is this is not a creature from from the city. I, I remember reading at some point that he was based on um, the author of Dracula. Based the character on an Orientalist that he either knew, like had met, um, or just say had had picked up on in the news there's these wonderful photos of this uh, guy this uh, traveler 
and he fashions himself as, like say, surrounding himself with the exotic and um, the, the other. And he's got this sort of uh, long mustache and, you know, wearing, wearing garb. And it reads very much that, you know, I have gone, uh, I have gone beyond, I've gone outside, I've encountered these people who are not us, right? And I, I have adopted their ways. And so he was a, he was a, he was a figure of interest in uh, that, the pop culture of, of the time. Yeah, Victorian pop culture. And so, so, so we get, we get the character, it's, it's like a combination of two things. It's this, um, it's the mythology, and then it's an actual person. And that makes sense, because if you just, if you just have the mythology of the vampire, it's, it's not very interesting. But as soon as you set it up as that this is a person this is a traveler, um, this is somebody who's educated, say, um, we, we, we get more of a, uh, a background to who this person is, this villain. Uh, the, the villain is uh, complicated. The, you know, the villain is not um, some, you know, Backstreet thug. That said, I've I've met some very complex thugs <laughs> in my time. Uh, oh, really, boss? Tell us, tell us, how, tell us so. Uh, that's a different story. But so we we have this you know combination of of the, of the two elements to to create the. Uh, to create the character. And there's this the, the lovely blending of um, science in, in the form of Van Helsing-ish. There's also the, is it Dr. Van Helsing? You know, so we have the, the, the side of good. But the, I want to say that there's this blending of folklore and then religion, like you could say that the, the whole uh, garlic thing, that, that that could be folklore. And then the notion of this kind of anti-resurrection and that the... And, and then we have um, religious, you know, this sort of intersection of folklore with religion where, say, crucifixes are going to do the trick. Oh, and then there's the, the stake through the heart, which is another folklore element. So these, th these combine together. An another element that is, you know, still happening at, at the time of publication is tuberculosis.
and you you'll often see movies around that time I mean say historical dramas or documentaries and people are or even um, anyways that say people will look very pale they will cough up blood there's something kind of there's something kind of um, vampiric about about the look and there's something there's something um, there's also this feeling of, of addiction like say heroin chic spelled C-H-I-C I believe and just that there's this kind of weird sort of strength to it um, like say and to now we know what tuberculosis is but you know at that time there would be people you know there in contact and there would be you know this the disease could wipe a family out and, and you know that they didn't have a sense of the you know sort of hygiene and you know masks and um, that was on the way but around the time of Dracula there's this there's this kind of plague that, you know, that is going on I'm trying to remember um, who was that character there was a woman who was it was something like TB Mary or something she was she was going from household to household and infecting families and uh, they, they eventually caught up with her and you know figured out you know who it was so there's this there's this disease that is a killer just disease in general and this sense of um, hopelessness then there's this perhaps perhaps it's a um, it was intentional but there's also this virility that it, it, it kind of seems unusual right that it's it ought to be oh well it's just it's just a upper class bad guy you know who just happens to be undead you know has to hide during the day in a coffin of dirt And I'm not sure exactly where that's coming from. Perhaps it's coming from the Orientalist who it was based on or some some other influences. There's this movie with William Defoe as as Max Schreck. And it's quite it's quite good. Um, if if you don't mind sort of like a a slow burn. But this it it has its moments and and William Defoe is wonderful and uh, and <laughs> troubling, but it's great to see him in in those in those roles where he can kind of break out a bit and do something um, you know fun fun slash odd. Max Schreck. So that was a a German 
version of the story and the actor Max Schreck. Um, there's expressionist moments where there's a lot of use of shadows and he has these enormous fingers. Uh, he's bald with these big ears and his eyes are disturbing. And if you go dig it up, you'll, you'll see what I mean. Uh, you know, and you've probably seen some image somewhere. I remember during the, the 90s uh, that there was a, a young woman wearing a, a t-shirt with, with Max Shrek. And I was, I was like, oh, you know, I want to know that person. But just because of, of all of the pictures you put on a t-shirt, right? this silent, silent version of Dracula. So we have, we have our main character all loaded up with folklore, with religious uh, parts of it, and Dracula is, Dracula is coming to town. And it, this, the story starts off with, uh, it's kind of a real estate deal, actually, that at the beginning of the story is, is about, I believe it's, if you can imagine Keanu Reeves as a, this young lawyer going to um, Transylvania to finalize this, this deal. Dracula's uh, buying some real estate. He's buying a place in England. And slowly... <laughs> see, well, there's a build-up, but just the foreshadowing lets us know, you know, it's like, hmm, everybody's kind of warning, uh, warning this young lawyer, oh, you know, this is not good, you should not go up to that castle... Uh, and he 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 gets there. He is he's 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 kind of he's kind of like say slowly realizing what's going on. He's sort of these slow revelations, and you know as he explores this place and slowly realizes his fate. Uh, to Dracula is coming to town. He's being shipped. Uh, his his dirt, his dirty box is being shipped. His sandbox is being shipped to England. Uh, lands, and this black dog jumps off the ship. Everybody on the ship has been killed. And. What I, what I love about those kind of moments are that we are, we are not told, oh, this is Dracula, right? It, there's, a, there's a lot left out. And so we, we sort of fill in the blanks, you know. Well, is it Dracula? And, and in, in that sense, in, in that sense there's, a, there's a sort of, say, a mystery to it. And two, I, I, I like that a lot of it's not given away. Um, we have enough of that, and so we can have these, these sort of 
quick moments where there's this activity. And uh, there's, a, there's a kind of foreboding, you know, it's um, late at night, you know, it's stormy weather, you know, uh, a ship full of dead sailors, and this, you know, it crashes on, on the shore, and, and this big black dog jumps off and, and runs away. The, the boxes of earth are, uh, on the ship are recovered and taken to, um, taken to this place. I want to say Carthax Abbey, but uh, that's at least one of the locations is Carthax. And I believe that in the meaning of Carthax, Carthax that there's a meat, something that means meat or flesh or something like that. And now what starts happening is this seduction of Mina Harker. And so this is uh, the, it's either the, the bride or the bride-to-be of the young lawyer. And and, 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 and that's where this, that's where this sense of, um, of wooing, that, that there's a kind of a rake or cad-like quality to, uh, to Dracula. That, and, and it's not just a matter of, you know, say, the, you know, the, <laughs> I don't know, like just sort of, you know, it suddenly happens and the story is over. That instead it's this, it's this process uh, that, yeah. There's there's a kind of stalking element to it, and why why Mina Harker? Um, there's a sort of a specific goal that is that is sort of happening. That say because, um, oh, I guess it would be uh, the husband, the young lawyer Harker. I'm having trouble remembering the name, main name, but he he makes this deal. It's sort of like almost like a deal with the devil. Uh, you know, uh, being ignorant of of who he's dealing with at first, and then it's almost like that his wife is part of the deal. You know that. Um, in a way, Dracula corrupts Harker, and then he's seeking to corrupt uh, uh, Mina Harker. So, so in that, there's this, there's this, uh, there's a, there's this return from the dead. And sorry, I'm kind of backtracking into, into the folklore a bit. Um, in one thing I like about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that vampires are possessed, they're demonically possessed, which is uh, quite different from, uh, say, the vampires, uh, Anne Rice's vampires in Interview with the Vampire, Vampire Lestat. Uh, 
that has almost zero connection to any any idea of the supernatural and and there's also a kind of um, existential crisis that that these that Anne Rice's characters go through that said she does she does pursue um, she had she had a sort of kind of witches she had uh, a kind of demon and then she eventually she has Jesus Christ show up in one of the later books as and and too is it's interesting cuz she she has this i think too she she had said that she was going back to church and and so she was lapsed and then she's gone back to church but now she has released um more uh, vampire fiction and and i wonder about that i wonder if it's oh is it does it have to do with sort of realizing that you know kind of like legacy or is it is it just money which is okay you know got to pay the bills Or do we? <laughs> can we? Can we just ride off into the sunset and live off the land? No, no, we can't. Okay, so Buffy the yeah Buffy the vampires uh, slayers um, vampires that that there's this uh, death and then this anti rebirth that they are inhabited by. Um, demon spirits and this is this is best seen in uh, the vampire known as Angel or Angelus in the show who, who went on to have his own series but he we get to see this struggle we get to see the, the illustration of say that he he is inhabited by this you know demonic you know he's possessed um, he's dead and he's possessed so it's sort of like a it's like the exorcist and the walking dead merge together but yeah so uh, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer they will often have the, o- the opening of the show usually is that this um, graveyard and you know this um, you know a vampire is rising from the dirt, and then we'll fight uh, Buffy. And uh, yeah, so we usually start the show with a a fight. And that that's quite cool. Uh, they have this uh, brow thing that they do as well, the special effect where the the forehead of the vampire that say there's this stage like say that they and they, they almost become uh, more feral as this um, sort of forehead this overhanging forehead is is uh, attached a prosthetic maybe and then of course with the teeth so sort of this sort of transformation so it's a it's a bit more than just the teeth. And and the effect is 
the effect that makes them almost a bit cat-like in a way. Definitely feral. But, but what the what the evil spirit does is creates this impulse towards um, killing people, right? Killing people, drinking blood, making more vampires, uh, you know, to to continue the process. I'm, I'm just I'm just contrasting now with uh, the Del Toro, uh, Guillermo Del Toro, that he did, I think it was called The Strain, which right away uh, goes into like a strain of virus. It, it has an immediate connection to, um, to science, disease, medicine. And in that show, I watched, I watched at least two series, and I quite liked, I quite liked the difference. There was a lot of the, uh, I want to say, historicity, his, the, the history, the, this sense of um, age and almost say cultishness, you know, uh, occult almost, that that these uh, vampires had but they're but they're very much they're very much um, parasites and that they you know th there are these uh, almost like snake-like things that are, are living inside a person I'm trying to think exactly anyways if you can imagine it's like having this big tapeworm inside you yuck which, that's, that's the way it ought to be. It's a very yuck thing. And it's a lovely contrast to Anne Rice's vampires, which are, you know, very um, cool and elegant, you know, and uh, they like to drink wine and listen to classical music, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's like, hmm. <laughs> but, there, but there is a... There is something quite attractive about Anne Rice's uh, vampires. And then in contrast, um, the, the vampires in The Strain are, are gross. Like, say, you know, when you see what they are, it's just... Ugh. Anne Rice's vampires are sort of like um, superhuman. Uh... I keep coming back to elegant as a description. But yeah, um, and if you haven't seen The Strain, I, I think it's based on a book that uh, Guillermo del, Tomo, del Toro, he, he worked on with, with someone else. And it, it, it definitely has uh, its moments. Yeah, better than some. That That's what I'm going for. That... It seems like every TV show is struggling, like struggling to get made, and then struggling to be uh, better, and then the forces of production were sort of working against them. One of the weirdest interpretations I saw of Dracula, it had it had Dracula with this sort of predator mouth, so it opens from the sides, and 
once again, um, Dracula... Uh, well, it, it got into Dracula as this... I think it might have been Blade Three. I think that might have had Dracula. What I liked about it was that it went... It, it opens with this kind of ancient tomb, crypt, sarcophagus, and Dracula is, is released. And, and that it's vampires that do it. And I, I really liked the beginning. And I, I actually did like the notion of, of uh, Dracula as this mutant that, that explaining, explaining the, the vampirism as, you know, once again we're getting back into science. So it was a, it's like this combination of uh, history and science. Personally, I didn't like how Dracula was portrayed as having this predator kind of mouth and, you know, he's a super vampire. What, what would have kind of been interesting is that if it turns out that he's kind of like a snake person, right? Like a, a leftover from the dinosaurs. That his origins are, you know, actually much, much older than humans. I don't know, just... Just don't don't do the predator mouth thing, because that yeah, it's sort of wah wah <laughs> I can just imagine the producers saying, Yeah, make it more like Predator. Um Yeah, that that didn't help. But 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 a cool start to the movie. There have been comedies. Uh, there have been comedies made. Uh, there's currently this animation series. Uh, it's been a couple films of a, uh, a father-daughter vampire. And, and, and too, it's so bizarre because this kind of Dracula character uh, will get used in different different places, like such as the Count from Sesame Street. You know, here's a children's show, here's a vampire. Oh, you know, it's not that kind of vampire. You know, he likes to count numbers, not victims. And, but it, always in the back of my mind, I'm sort of wondering, hmm, is this a good choice? But that's right up there with, say, Puff the Magic Dragon, or... You know any any sort of stock character that that gets used and kind of um, what's it called made you know sort of declawed, defanged. That was something. That's something that is happening in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I'm five seasons in and. It, it, it's almost like a sub-trope, like a trope within the show, that there's, you know, first we have uh, the vampire angel, uh, who <coughs> he's allowed to, um, he's able to be human because of this curse. So it's, it's the supernatural is 
restraining the, the demonic tendencies that uh, he would normally have. And then we have Spike. Uh, almost, it's almost the vampire who takes over from, from Angel, but who is... He, he, he remains... He's, he's trying to kill Buffy. Uh, currently where I am, he's falling in love with Buffy and hating it. And he's also got a chip. Um, this government um, military operation. They, they give him this uh, chip in his brain that, that is uh, much like Angel is stopping him from uh, hurting good people. So he can he can fight and hurt bad people, but not good people. So are we it feels like we're wrapping things up. Yes, we are wrapping things up. The good thing about these walks is that um, there's a kind of motivation to get out and to. It's, it's helpful for writing because I'll be thinking about what I'm working on and uh, characters. I do have a character idea for, um, for a vampire called Rust. And I, I, liked, I like the idea of Rust, that Rust is connected to iron and blood is, has iron and there's this reddish quality to rust, but there's also the sense of decay, like uh, Neil Young's Rust Never Sleeps, right? That there's this, de the decay of metal. And so, yeah, so I have this character. Not really sure, not really sure where that character is going, but, uh, I actually had things like imagining the character having red wings or a red kind of cape. And I just have this image of the character uh, going to the edge of sunrise, you know, and looking across this kind of border and uh, not being able to go there, but sort of seeing it from a distance. So, at the moment, it's more of a postcard. And, and uh, vampires have sort of trickled into every aspect. We have music, we have video games, we have, um, you know, candy, such as sort of, uh, you know, Halloween um, variations, toys... So it's, it's really difficult not to know what it is, but the, but the question remains, why? You know, what is the reasoning to, to have the character? What is the reminder? And then we have these sort of defrocked vampires, um, such as the Count. And when examined that they have... Um, they have sort of there's a dangerous quality to them. Sesame Street is a is sort of a safe environment, 
And then so, you know, by extension, it's like, oh, okay, so the count is, um, <laughs> this, this is not, you know, this is not a normal scary vampire. And yet, they'll do the whole thing with, um, they'll have the flashing and the sound of thunder and um, flash of lightning and they'll have these uh, bats that are being jiggled, bats on, bats on sticks. So they look like they're flying and the Count talking to them, Oh, children of the night. And, and there's, again, there's this list of questions. So, oh, that's, a, that's an airplane. It's a bit of a reminder of, it's like we're actually pretty close to the, not terribly close, but the uh, air, airport is pretty, pretty near. A city away. I, I guess too. I'm ending it on uh, why vampires. There's there's a connection to the folklore, you know, the notion of you know spirits, the the fear of spirits that return, a belief in the supernatural, right? That that these spirits and so on are real our demons are real angels are real and in order to combat this right there's sort of low tech magic kind of you know put a stake through the heart I think another one is turn the body upside down cut off the head there's the garlic there's religious ritual um, holy water is another one that uh, you can add to the list. And so, where it's coming from is it's coming from a, a fear of the unknown, a belief in the supernatural. You know, yes, there are things that we don't understand. There's viruses, there's diseases such as TB, tuberculosis. There are still, you know, we haven't conquered that. You know, there's, there's still death. Right and, um, and and strangely enough, we're getting to the to the point where we're um, the the possibility, the potential of immortality, is just around the corner, and you know that's a that's a game changer and an ethical uh, nightmare <laughs> waiting to happen, but you know we don't have to worry about it right now. Uh, Vampires, the, the use of vampires has to do with connecting to um, uh, you know, the sense of loss. Uh, you know, say, say with a broken heart, there's this sense of longing, right? It, it destroys you. It, it just ruins everything. This person, you know, whether they have passed away or just have broken up with you. A divorce, say, right? It shakes up your world and it feels it feels like you've in a way you've been killed, right? That you've been drained and it doesn't matter on which side of the equation you are, it's a nightmare, right? You're being um you've in a way you've been traumatized. It's this small tragedy has happened. And so I'll go there with with vampires that they represent this this part of ourselves. 
they represent both uh, our life force, right, this, a symbolic life force, and also um, the, the potential of death, of, of having our life taken away from us, our you know stability, um, everything we fall back on, and say you know you're desperate, you know you're looking to point the finger. Um, you know, perhaps you're in a culture where, you know, it is, these, these beliefs exist, you know, the supernatural is real, and then you could point the finger to a, a grave and say, you know, that person was a bad person when they were alive, and, you know, they might be a vampire, or they probably are a vampire, you know, let's dig them up, you know, and then, you know, let the gore begin, right? Because there's these great stories of, you know, they suspect that, you know, somebody's recently buried is actually a vampire, and they dig them up, you know, and they're, they look, you know, they haven't aged a day, they haven't, there's no decay, they might, they might actually look a bit plump, they might have some blood on their lips, some stories have, they go, there's blood everywhere, and, uh, you know, so some, <laughs> and and then they'll do things like say, you know, oh okay, you know, we gotta gotta change this up somehow, turn the body over, etc. Hang up garlic. That's a good thing about liking garlic. Apparently, Buddhists, you know, don't are not supposed to have garlic. I kind of doubt that, but uh, apparently, the Buddha did not like garlic. So if you're, uh, what is it called, if you're hardcore Buddhist, then you know, might sort of, I want to imitate Buddha. So, uh, I'll just leave it there, <laughs> and stay there, right? <laughs> Don't rise from the dead. Thanks for listening, and um, I, f- I feel like I'm going to keep doing this, uh, talking about these sort of, this particular sort of monster squad. I've already talked about werewolves, so this is the vampires, and then go on and talk about mummies and uh, Frankenstein and uh, yeah. Huzzah!